Hey everybody, this is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz flagship podcast. Just stopping by to say thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. We're offering our listeners a special 10% discount when they use the promo code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Again, that's 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2021. Thanks for listening and keep on tuning in. On Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at the Blue Wire Network. Dan Senyo is with me once again tonight on this lovely Tuesday evening. We are another week into the off season, you know, creeping a little bit closer. I think I saw today that we're a hundred days away from Bucks Cowboys, uh, which I, I I always forget you're a Cowboys fan. So you ready for uh, opening night? For, for, former Cowboys fan, but yes, uh, lo- looking looking forward to football being back and not uh, not only talking about what could be, but actually seeing what is. So it's it should be it should be fun as we get closer, and we are to the point of the off season, Nathan, where we start our annual shows. Yes, and just as an aside, quickly, Cowboys Bucks has to be one of the strangest decisions for an opening game. In recent memory, <laughs> like how did they arrive on that as the opening game? I don't know. Other than obviously the Bucks on the Super Bowl, but yes, um, we have run out of rookie draft content. We run out of veteran impact content. So now we're going to start diving into some of our annual content. And this episode of the Nice Trade Cast is going to be our bad trader episode. Uh, we typically call it the anatomy of a bad trader. We try and get them into the mind of the bad trader. And trying to figure out how we can not be them, how we can take advantage of them, all those things. Are you excited, Dan? Always. Always like talking about bad traders. You know, because you host a podcast with one of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> volume volume trading and bad trading are not, uh, uh, not exactly the same thing. And we'll talk about some of that as we get started. All right. So our first one, kind of the first thing you have to do, whether it's an orphan or a startup, you know, most of the time, even in writers' leagues, even in quote-unquote expert leagues, it's kind of like one of those things that, like, if you don't find the fish at the poker table, you're the fish, or whatever that, that saying is. Like, if you can't find the bad trader at the, you know, dynasty league table, you might be the bad trader. So, Dan, when you're looking to try and figure out who's the bad trader, whether it's a startup, you're, you're taking over an orphan, whatever it may be, I guess those are actually two different answers – but how do you go about identifying this is a guy who I can take advantage of via trade because I'm going to value players differently or whatever, however, however you go about, you know, capitalizing on trading. Yeah. So if it's a startup, I'm looking at the guys that are kind of making more obscure picks more often than, than the rest of the group uh, reaching for players or, or chasing names, things like that. I like to identify those players early on. Uh, and then if it's an orphan or or just kind of a, uh, even if you're in a league that's been for a little while, 
I'm I'm going back and I'm looking in at, at previous transactions and checking to see if maybe there are owners that are maybe market deaf, if they're not aware of their surroundings, aware of, of what somebody could fetch in a trade. Or if you've got guys that are every year chasing needs, you know, oh, I got a, a, an old quarterback now that, that just retired. Oh, there goes Drew Brees. I better go try to get Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence or Patrick Mahomes or something like that. So you really can can single some of these kind of guys out. Sometimes they're very obvious. If you're playing in a shark league, uh, unfortunately, like some of ours are, where you it's really hard to identify somebody. And some of the time you end up being that bad trader. Uh, it, it can be a little more difficult. But for the most part, especially if it's a kind of a beginner's type league or, or maybe a group that doesn't have a ton of experience, it's pretty easy to find free value just by, just by how owners are, are making trades and, and valuing roster spots. Yeah. And another thing in terms of like the startup sphere, oftentimes, and this isn't always 100% correlated, but oftentimes, like you kind of mentioned, the bad drafters also turn into bad traders because if they're, you know, not making, uh, if they're picking a guy two rounds before his ADP or, you know, they're, they're trading in an exorbitant amount, you know, to trade up, then they really shouldn't be like that. Those early results kind of give you that feedback to try and, you know, you're only as good as your trades say you are and, or, or your draft picks say you are. So if they're consistently reaching on guys like that, you can identify, okay, this guy might not be as adept, you know, as you are in your opinion, you know, I don't want to come across like if somebody is going different from market value, that doesn't make them a bad dynasty player or doesn't even make them a bad trader, but it does make them somebody who players that play like I do. And I think like you do that we think we can take advantage of that type of player. Yeah. And I, some of the best players I've played with make more obscure moves than, than I've seen the, the difference between an obscure move and a bad move is value, right? It's it's all in this game about the value at the end of the day. Yes, obviously we're still trying to to win in these leagues, but when it comes to the trading portion, value is everything. Yeah, you might have to overpay for somebody you think is going to explode, or you might have to sell low on somebody who was, you know, previously a monster that people are kind of down on. Sometimes that's the way things go, and some of the best players are able to make more of those obscure moves, but it does really all come down to getting proper value, uh, and, and at least in the realm, because we've all seen it. We've we've all seen the guy that that trades his whole squad for Todd Gurley in year six, and then his whole leg completely falls off. So uh, th- those type of players exist. Obviously, we're we're not you know trying to embarrass or or take advantage and hope to crumble the league by somebody's you know inability to make a, a fair deal. But there's always always a window of opportunity. Yeah, for sure. And then as far as an existing league, you, you talked about a little bit with looking back at previous trades. One thing I do want to mention that it isn't necessarily a results type game. It is a process type game. So not only do you want to look at past trades, but you want to compare those trades to ADP and to value at those times. Yep. Because bad traders can fall into a bad trade turning into a good trade because of results-oriented thinking. So don't just look at the results. Also look at the process. Look at how that trade, like, I'm trying to think of like, so like Ezekiel Elliott was traded for Antonio Gibson in one of my leagues in like week five last year. And at the time, that looks like a really, really bad trade. And today that looks like a fair trade. 
And so that doesn't mean the person who made that trade is a great trader. It just means that the trade worked out for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Time timing is is everything. Uh, obviously, value, like I've said, about 73 times is, is a big thing. But yeah, uh, going back, looking to the transaction logs, even going back as far as the draft to see if somebody was truly in love with a player at one point, overdrafted him at that point, and, and then maybe, you know, got fed up and moved on or, uh, you know, any 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 number of circumstances can can become, you know, true, uh, especially when you have all of that free information to look back at by all of the previous transaction logs. So within that existing league, it also helps to just start sending some offers, see how certain players value their assets, see how much a first round picks a first round pick costs by, uh, you know, kind of a, a middling team. See if they value it like a high end first or if they're willing to throw it away to start competing. You're always able to find to find those spots. You just you're going to have to put in the time, especially in a new league. All right, let's move on to our next one, which is the difference between an active bad trader and an inactive bad trader. So it got, you know, it's kind of self-explanatory here. An active bad trader is a guy who's consistently sending offers, even possibly consistently making deals, but always results sort of thinking or even just active process, not making the best deals at the time and also not resulting in good trades. And then an inactive bad trader is someone who either is just rejecting with no comment uh, every single offer, just isn't ever sending offers themselves. So how do you, you know, differentiate between these two type of traders? Is there anything you, I guess this, this one, we'll start with this. Is there anything you can do about an inactive bad trader? Like, it, are you kind of just stuck like, okay, this guy's just not going to respond to my offers? Or is there a way to maybe conjure up, uh, you know, some, some possible value from an in, inactive bad trader? Well, I think the first place to start there, especially if you're noticing that they're inactive and it's frequent, um, is just to reach out in an actual message. You know, it doesn't always have to be in a physical trade through whatever your host site is. Send them a message. Send them an email. Talk to him on the message board. Uh, see if you can get a hold of them that way. Sometimes people are too afraid to make a deal. They, they don't understand how it works or or they don't want to mess with it. They think they're being they're being, you know, <laughs> swindled. Uh, we've seen it again, time and time again. Oh, you guys have a podcast. You have all the insider information. Why would I trade with you? Hey man, I, I know as much about it as you do. We don't have insider information. So, uh, the inactive person is, is a really, really tough one. You hope that they're again, just scared of it and not just blatantly disregarding any message or any, any offer being sent. So those can easily be the hardest to, to get something out of. But like I said, just reaching out and trying to have a conversation with them about maybe something other than the trade and then working into it. That, that's that been one of the, the places for me that I'm able to get to, like, hey, we're in this league together. You know, how, how's it going? Uh, looking to see if you have any interest in this, this or this. I like these kinds of things from your roster. That a lot of times, you know, results in at least a conversation. But again, you're, you're always going to have, Again, in those leagues, you have the inactive folks just in general who are there to set a lineup and try to make money off of it. This isn't really something that I've actually employed, but now that we're talking about it, I think it might be a decent idea. Um, I talked with Travis Billman on the Tradecast a few months ago, and he, he often greases the wheels of people. When he sees them make a, a, a particular trade, he will tell them how great the trade they made was or you know, basically co compliment them on something they did. And I think that 
one thing that might engage an, an active bad trader is if you're like, wow, like I can't believe you were you thought to start Tyler Lockett this week, or wow, like you know, nice win over over Dan this week, like something like that, just it facilitates a conversation and to get more. I mean, honestly, like it's a very social game, and yeah. there are people there are people who play Dynasty who aren't social people, and so if you kind of engage them, that might kind of bring the social a little bit more out of them. Um, as far as the active bad trader, this is one that can definitely be harmful to leagues. Someone who is sending out all the offers, someone who is consistently making his team worse through trading. How do you, when, so let, let's say me, okay, it's, it's happened recently. I recently made a trade with somebody that you thought I won heavily. What, how do you react to that trade with that person? Do you then go send them an offer? Do you berate them in a league chat? How, how do you go about when you see a bad trade come across, you're like, oh, maybe I could be the second in line on that. So there's a few parts to it. Normally, I send the overwhelming winner a message, usually pretty sarcastic. I also send, uh, hopefully, there's a group chat for the league. But I also send something usually sarcastic in said chat. And then I also reach out to the person who got absolutely destroyed <laughs> and attempt to offer advice or just to reassure them that, hey, it never hurts to to reach out to other teams to try to see where your value is because taking the first and only offer you get from the first and only offer you get or owner you get it from probably isn't the best process sometimes and it it does happen where people just send absolute smash accepts you go ahead and go for it that's that's great for you you're getting good value and a w um in some cases though people only do that because well, hey, this guy knows his stuff. If he's offering me this for good value, I should probably do it. Or it's obvious and known that somebody really doesn't like a player. They put them on the trade debate and you're able to get them for an absolute steal. So always vet every single one of your options that you have if you are the seller uh, or if maybe you are being pinned as a bad active trader. It's it's good to be trading. It's bad to be constantly ruining your team. So again, like with all of these scenarios, there's there's always good and bad from it. There's always some some room to grow and room to gain. So it, it, it can be tough trying to tell somebody that they just they've just been had, but at the same time you can kind of help help them along as well and, and maybe maybe grease the wheels like Travis uh, previously talked to you about it, grease the wheels for a future discussion and future deal. Yeah, for sure. And it's also important to not, I think this is a strategy that's often implemented out of frustration. Someone will immediately just send a really bad offer to that person. Yeah. And that then they'll just feel insulted. They'll be like, what do you think? I'm an idiot, which, you know, <laughs> to, an ex- to an extent, yes. that's what that offer is saying. But it's certainly not going to help like the you know rapport of you and that league mate. But you can still send offers. You can send an offer after that happens. But it just can't be like a very lopsided one trying to say, oh, like, let's see how, let's see if you'll go this far. Yeah, I, that's the the cold insults, as I like to call them, are, are usually not the best option. I think it kind of massaging it a little bit is the best move. Don't don't just go full gusto and try to keep keep the bad trades moving. And as far as like the active bad trader, I think that one of the more ones we talk about each and every year, we talk about it in February, we talk about it on this episode. It is either the A, trading your 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 future first way too quickly, 
or B, overpaying for everyone's future first. Those are both things that I see at each and every year. So if you have someone who overpays for the future first every year, how, how do you facilitate that conversation or do they normally end up coming to you? If I know that they're they're always overpaying, if they've if they've got a consistent uh, case of rookie fever, as soon as league rolls over, I'm going right to that team and I'm saying, hey, first is available. What do you got to offer me? Sometimes there isn't a deal to be made because maybe all of their players are are either guys I don't like, guys that are underperforming, or you know middling rookies or or middling sophomores that I'm not a super huge fan of. I've had a lot of of interactions with owners this year about Jalen Rager. <laughs> and uh, and Michael Pittman, guys like that. So it it can be uh, really easy to to spot the the guy that's always willing to buy your rookie picks. Normally, his name is Nathan Powell. Sometimes, though, there are other people in your league that would like to acquire as many rookie picks as possible, and it's consistent year in and year out. So I think going to them rather than waiting for them to come to you, even though. As truth be told, if they come to you, you're going to get more for that pick. But it's going to be easier to move if you're going to the player that you know wants it. And then on the inverse side of that, if you are, if you know there's someone that consistently always undersells their first in, in February uh, or whenever your your league rolls over, um, what we're going to strategy you Are you just sending, you know, a fair offer? Are you lowballing a little bit? What are you doing? Well, normally those guys are are the. Uh, the teams that are trying to contend year in and year out consistently have the oldest teams in the league. Uh, those are the guys that are chasing the Julio Joneses, uh, the the remnants of AJ Green, the T.Y. Hiltons, the guys that are usually decent values that that are going to help you win. Well, it, it's pretty easy to get halfway decent picks off of teams that think they're good because they always have what you know the the former elite but still producing guys. Uh, not too long ago, I was I was getting firsts and seconds for Larry Fitzgerald just because I knew teams really wanted him. And, you know, up until a couple of years ago, it probably worked out OK for both sides. But that's really, really short term value uh, when you consider how a rookie pick grows in value over a very short period of time. Uh, you know, w- within one calendar year, that thing pretty much quadruples in value once once you can actually realize what one of those picks could potentially be, you know, once as soon as one Oh two, let's say became uh, Trey Lance or Justin Fields, the value of that thing doubled minimum. Uh, we kind of had an idea it was going to be one of those players, but once it actually happens, the value just skyrockets. So being able to target teams that uh, are consistently in that, you know, productive struggle that think they're competing that maybe aren't, you're able to get a mid first for, probably a player that you really should be getting a mid second for. Yep. That makes sense. All right. So let's, let's wrap up how to capitalize on bad traders. And then also you, you kind of hinted at it a little bit in terms of league health. Um, so capitalizing bad traders, obviously you're for the guys that are active, you're, you're sending those guys offers. You are, you know, having constant negotiations with them. Um, but so let's go to league health actually. What what are your thoughts on, is there ever too much, are you ever going too far? Uh, oftentimes when I talk about these people, they're always like, well, if I don't do it, someone else is going to do it. Are you of that frame of mind? Or you, and does it may depend on if you're the commissioner. How do you feel about, you know, the same guy being picked on over and over? Um, I mean, it can be somewhat destructive to a league, but 
you know, it, it's really it's really only destructive if that team instantly becomes just uh, a, a lot or a win every single week. If you have a team that is just essentially a bye week, then you start having issues, especially if they're not accumulating anything, if they're not getting rookie picks on, on top of rookie picks or young players and, and uh, guys with upside, if they're just trading them, you know, if you're consistently backloading rosters with what currently is David Johnson, Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, you know, all, all of those kind of guys, which we probably all have that one team in our league. It's that can be bad for a league. Those, those types of teams that are always willing to just kind of move their stuff for crap in hopes that it hits. Uh, those are the, usually the conversations I'm having with either the, con, uh, the commissioner or myself as the commissioner with the league figuring out, Hey, do we need to get rid of this guy? Because it genuinely could ruin a league. You you could have a, a deal like I've seen before where you trade three, four elite assets for a bunch of junk just because some, some guys just genuinely don't get it. Now, a lot of the times that you're, it's easy to filter out those types of players. You're not getting the guys that just are, are horrendous, but everybody has to start at some point. Anybody that wants to get into it isn't really going to know the ropes until they actually start making deals and doing types of things. We've all made bad trades, especially when we first started. We still make bad trades. I still make bad trades. Nathan, I don't know if you know this. You still make bad trades too. So uh, I think if it's a an ongoing problem with a, a player or a, an owner like that, I think you just kind of maybe have to give them the boot as much as you don't want to. But before you get to that point, it really should be, how can we help you get better at this? Because if we're just going to have an 11, 11 teams in a 12 team league and you're just a feeder for all of the other teams, it's going to be an issue. And that that's just not as fun. Yeah. I've never personally booted anybody for being bad at trading or bad. at. I have, <laughs> um, but I, I have felt like I maybe should, but I, I definitely, you know, DM the guy like, hey, like, let's try and figure out like what you're missing here. Like, make sure like I'll like, send him a link to ADP um, or send him a link to, you know, any sort of trade calculator. Um, you know, send him a link to Rotovis. Like, hey, we get yourself a Rotovis subscription from Code RB Radio 2021. Um, but yeah, I, I'll definitely, you know, try and give them the resources that'll help make them a better player. But oftentimes, I do feel like it's a little bit of a losing battle. And I try and fight the battle from the other side. Like, if there's two or three guys that are consistently doing, like, hey, like, let's not like go after this guy so much, please. <laughs> and they don't always listen, but it is what it is. Yeah. We, we're, we don't need to be bullying people. It, try to uh, offer a helping hand before we do anything crazy. And then if it just continues because they're either bad or stupid, so be it. Now it's your word from blue wire. Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to take a moment to tell you about blue wire hustle, a brand new program where you can host your own podcast here at blue wire hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start hustle is the perfect place for you as part of the program you'll receive personal cover art q a's with blue wires top podcasters access to the community discord an e-learning course full of tips and tricks and on top of all of that will help get your show pushed to apple spotify google stitcher and all other listening platforms and the best part is you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or you have an existing show that you're wanting to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up 
your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box in this episode for more information, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. That's right. Get your Blue Wire Hustle on today. Now, let's continue on the show with some bad trading, and we got some bad offers. We once did a uh, show on this, Dan, about are bad offers a good strategy? You and I disagree on this one. I think bad offers are a good strategy. Um, they ha- kind of help it help you get, you know, good deals. Like, if you're consistently sending your best offer, this, this, is, a, this is a saying I hear over and over, always send your best offer. If you're always sending your best offer, you're gaining minimal value almost always. So I'm sending bad offers, and there's a very <laughs> <We> – <know>. there's <laughs> a small there's a small portion of the population that get offended or just don't want to deal with bad offers, and I just don't deal with those people. Uh, but I deal with you, Dan. You're pointing to yourself, but we still trade despite the fact that I send you bad offers. And maybe I just send you less bad offers now because I need to waste your time. But <laughs> but also, there's a difference between a bad offer as in like this is terrible and no one would ever accept it. And like this is probably like 18% under market value. And that's where my bad, bad offers come in, not like 50% below market value, more like 18%. Well. I, that last that last statement's cap. I, I don't think your numbers are accurate there. Um, yeah, no, the the you know obviously we should never be offended by by a trade offer or something in fantasy football uh, unless someone's being a complete jerk about something. But um, the offensive type offers are one thing. Somebody being undervalued by twenty percent, in my opinion, isn't a bad trade offer. Someone sending crap for great is bad trade offers sending a second round pick for you know a mid qb1 or something in a super flex league we're not we're not dealing with that uh so sometimes depending on the owner sending them a bad offer can be a good icebreaker because maybe they don't know that you're interested in something you could just send them a message or you could start there in hopes that they fat finger it and hey now you get a free asset uh no we're not actually doing that uh, I will respond to the folks that are in the stadium. You know, I'm not sending some something back to someone that's sending an offer from space. If 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 it's genuinely bad, usually I'm either not responding or I'm just rejecting with no response as far as uh, you know message or anything goes. But most of your oh, offers to oh. me, at least Nathan, most of your offers to me are in that ballpark. They I've I've gotten bad ones, and usually I just send equally bad back which can also be destructive depending on the owner you're dealing with. You and I, we have a relationship, so we know that we're just being idiots. But I, I think there's, I wouldn't say it's you're walking on thin ice or, or you know, it's a, it's a fine line or anything like that. But you do sometimes have to be careful because a bad trade offer to the wrong person can just end all trade relations in the future. It just depends on who you're dealing with. Yeah, that makes sense. I I think that with bad trade offers, it, it's important to just be you know tactful and not just always sending the, the same bad offer to, to, multi, to the same person over and over or anything like that. Um, it's all about just going just below, like not crossing the line. There is a line on the bad offer and don't cross that line. All right, let's go on to how to prevent yourself from becoming a bad trader. Um, so basically this is just how to 
you know, stuff not be what we've talked about throughout so far. Um, obviously, make sure you're aware of current market values, current ADPs. Make sure during the season you're aware of, you know, depth charts and current scores and things of that nature. It, it's just being aware. It can sometimes be a step ahead of the, you know, the last guy in the league. Just, you know, being aware of what's going on. I think that's that's my first tip to make sure you're not a bad trader is just be aware of what's going on. Yeah, uh, honestly, the the few things I tell people when uh, they're, you know, how, how do I get better? How do I do this? How do I do that? There's a handful of subscriptions you absolutely need to have. Uh, obviously, Rotoviz is going to be one of those. There's a few others. But another thing that I'm surprised how many people don't have it, Twitter. Have a Twitter. Follow a whole crap load of fantasy football folks. Make sure you follow, you know, the, the highest follower uh, dynasty folks as well. That'll usually trickle down. Most of those guys are really good at retweeting and promoting other folks' work and populate the timeline with a lot of really, really good stuff. But just it, it's so easy to be informed now. We're you know we're not having to rip through newspapers or or make sure we're we're have the news on at nine when it comes on so we can see who did what. We can check the scores in the paper in the morning. Everything is available to you. Some of it's behind a paywall, sure. But there is so much good content, and you're usually able to kind of string through and, and cut out the bad content. But there's a lot of both. So get out there. Make sure you're active in the community. Uh, it's coming from a guy who has tweeted like three times in two years. Uh, but at least be there. You know, follow, follow your timeline. Check in on different spots. Uh, make sure you have those subscriptions. You're, you're checking ADP. You're checking rankings. You're, you're reading articles. All of that stuff matters. Listening to podcasts or at least good ones. You know, so much content is available, and that is really all you need to have from you know becoming a bad trader. I, I, obviously, a little self awareness helps, and not just being out there thinking you know everything or you're better than somebody. Uh, and you could become a bad trader by being overconfident too. I, I've seen plenty of that, but not being afraid to make a deal uh, is massive, but being aware of the true market and having an idea of what to expect um, through a lot of content is is very much important. And my biggest bad trader tendency is being team agnostic in my trades, which helps me make good trades. But I'll often make trades that are good from a value perspective, but aren't good from a team perspective. Like I'm making my team worse when it should be getting better or making my team better when it should be getting worse. So just, it is important to, you know, get, try, try and get the best value possible, but also make sure that's the value that you need for your, for your, for your particular team. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got a, a couple of good examples of, of stuff like that. Good friend of the show, Dwayne Brown. He makes arguably more trades than anyone I've ever seen in my entire life. And I don't think I've ever once seen that man make a trade for team need. He is the king of value. And he's also a guy that can make an even trade. If there's somebody he wants, he goes and gets them. He pay pays market value, and that's that. But anytime he sees a, even if it's the, a sliver of opportunity in value, he makes that deal. Uh, another guy, um, Leo Pasiga, uh, just one of the OGs. We see him with his notebooks and, and all of his tweets, everything he does, it's all made public and he can still do it over and over and over again because he's active in it. He goes out and he makes deals that are either great value or they're great for his team and still good value. So you absolutely 
can can win over and over by just chasing value. Yeah, team needs you know it's going to be important on you know the first week of September, but that's pretty much the only time it starts mattering. And even then, you should really still be chasing value. Don't force yourself into okay. I have ten spots. I need to find the best ten players with the amount of value I have for those ten spots. No, depth matters, and roster value matters probably more. You you can just be chasing value. Honestly, it, it's it's so much more important than than just filling those nine, ten, eleven spots in your starting lineup. All right, let's wrap the show up with how to recover from bad trades. This one is a, a little bit simple, um, but I feel like it's something that you know kind of gets you got to get reminded every once in a while. Uh, the answer to recovering from bad trades is not not making trades, and it's not even you know you know being scared to trade. It is to actually trade more, uh, but not, not trade more and make the same mistakes over and over. It's learning from the mistakes. It's learning to look at ADP. It's learning to you know look at your roster before accepting a trade. But also, it's just if you're losing. 5% on a trade or 10% on a trade, you have to find a way to get that 10% back in order to, to break even. So you kind of have to, you know, make some maneuvers on your roster in order to make up value if, if you lose some in a trade. Yeah, I had a scenario, uh, kind of what you just spelled out in, in a DM uh, not too long ago about trying to come back from a bad loss in a trade. And, you know, it, it probably was, a, I would say, 15 to 20% loss but it was it was substantial. It was it was big names, and instead of trying to get back out and and just replace that big name in a different deal where you're winning a whole bunch of value, sometimes you have to slow down a little bit and take small wins. Get get two percent here and five percent there, and may, remake up that space in depth. Yeah, high end assets are extremely important, but you're able to get back into that territory by adding other pieces and building up through that you know, that direction. So I think, I think if you can kind of take little bits and pieces here and there and make small increases and get yourself back up, you know, kind of into the space that you were before, then you can use some of your extra depth to make a move to get uh, at least some of your big value back to maybe somebody that isn't quite ready to compete or, or a team that doesn't have any depth and they're in a full rebuild and, and need just as many, as many decent assets as they can get. So uh, I think building back up with smaller moves in volume is a little easier and more realistic than trying to just go back out and make another huge trade and regain your value that way. And then the other part of it is in terms of not just trading in general, but in specifically players. If you make a bad trade and you ended up overpaying for a player, don't let make that player stuck on your roster. Like, oh man, I, I traded three firsts for Todd Gurley. Now I can't possibly trade Todd Gurley. And that's how you end up with a player who you paid three firsts for with zero with zero value. So if you see, you know, the the boat sinking, try and get off of it rather than saying, oh, well, I paid three firsts for this boat. Yeah, the the getting out a year too early rather than a year too late is is really important, especially in Dynasty. Uh, you know, you could be losing out on some really substantial points. And there's some cases where the value of said player or asset may not be worth moving them when you consider the production that you potentially be missing out on. So you kind of have to play, play that balance of, hey, if this is the kind of asset I have, if I'm winning and this asset's going to put me over the top, but 
I'm on the decline and I don't know if I'll be able to get anything for this player in a year's time or even in a month's time. Uh, that's, that's a tough balance sometimes to find. You just really, really have to look at your roster. Uh, and, and this will be probably a future show, but you really have to be honest with your roster. I know we all love the players that we drafted because we drafted them and we're the smartest drafters in the world. But you need to be honest when analyzing your roster and, and decide if you're able to make that move and recover from a bad trade. And, you know, if it's honestly feasible because you don't want to gut your team and just keep making bad trade after bad trade after bad trade. That's the point of this episode. A bad trade is going to happen every once in a while. It's how you recover that's important. For sure. All right. That should wrap up. Uh, I think we've said the word bad trade about 8,700 times this episode. Um, I hope you guys appreciated that. Um, <laughs> any last words, Dan? No, I, I'm only looking forward to you sending me a bad trade offer here in the next 30 minutes. Let's do it. Kadoosh. Subscribe, rate, review. 